the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You remember what Abraham did when a messenger from God came in Genesis chapter 18? He prepared a meal. He served with his own hands. He received the messenger from God. They didn't receive the messenger from God. They wanted to kill the messenger from God. They weren't following Abraham's example at all. If you're not familiar with the patriarch Abraham from the Old Testament, you're going to learn a lot about him today as Pastor Leighton Sheely, the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, continues to take us verse by verse through the book of John. I'm Mike Trout. Again, always glad that you've joined us. If there's any way we can assist you in your walk with Christ, please contact us through the website studyversebyverse.com. And now taking us through the last couple of verses of the 8th chapter of John, here's Pastor Layton. He goes on to explain how he's the messenger of God. He says, I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. I'm, I'm coming to you from the Father. I'm bringing you word from the Father. I'm a messenger from the Father. I'm a messenger from God. Why don't you receive a messenger from God like Abraham received a messenger from God? And so Jesus draws these contrasts sharply. Abraham was not a murderer, but they sought to murder Jesus. Abraham obeyed and loved the truth. They rejected it. Abraham welcomed God. They rejected him. You're doing the deeds of your father. Obviously, not the same father. They said to him, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Now, there's two ways that we can understand this. One way is that they were, uh, they were lashing out at him with a vicious insult related to the controversy around his birth. You remember that Mary was with child before she and Joseph came together in marriage, and, and that was unacceptable, and so they were suggesting that his physical birth was illegitimate. But then there's also a second way of understanding, and that has to do with spiritual parentage. They might have seen where he was going, and so they were demanding that their religion was pure. It was untainted by anything false. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I'm not here of my own accord, but he sent me. So the form of the conditional denies both of their propositions. If God were your father, as he is not, then you would love me as you do not. And here's a theme that runs through the Gospel of John, that the test of a person is in their reaction to Jesus. Remember in chapter 3, he said, the light has come into the world and the people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Jesus didn't come to bring judgment, but people were judged by their reaction to Jesus. You can't love God and reject the one that God sent Verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. 
And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So as the attack of the religious leaders intensifies, so does Jesus. And what he had implied in the earlier verses, 38 and 41, he now states blatantly. He says, you're children of Satan, and you do the desires of your father. As a child naturally follows the example of their father, so these were following the example of their spiritual father, who was the devil, like father, like son. And Jesus here identifies two attributes or characteristics of the devil. And we need to be alert to this. He says he was a murderer from the beginning. Scriptures tell us that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He hates people. Why does he hate people? Because Satan hates God. And people are made in the image of God. So he hates people. Now, he will use, misuse, abuse people. Some people want to serve him, thinking that they will somehow or other gain his favor, when in reality all they are is useful idiots for him that he will use up and dispose of. Now, he's not only a murderer, but he's also a liar and the father of lies. Remember what he told Eve in the garden? You will not surely die. That was a lie. The scriptures say he disguises himself as an angel of light. That, that accomplished both lying and murdering. He used a lie to bring death and disease and destruction into this world. And Jesus said, because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. You're not willing to receive the truth. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever's of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now, I think we need to stop here and kind of picture this scene in our, in our head because there's this... I think we have a tendency to just read these questions. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? I think... Now, this is not in the scriptures, so take it as imagination from Pastor Layton, that the sentence, those questions were not back-to-back. I think Jesus stopped after asking the question, which one of you convicts me of sin? Is anyone here can point anything out in my life that is wrong? Have I ever lied, cheated, stolen, killed? And I think he stopped and paused and he looked around the room. And nobody could make an accusation against him. Now remember, these people hated him. If they could have made an accusation, they would have interrupted the second question. They say, ah, there's a time. They hated him. This is two and a half years into his ministry. He's only six months now from the cross. They hated him. They had been following him around looking for something to use against him. How do we know that? Well, many occasions in the scriptures. One occasion is found in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus Christ and his 12 disciples are out in the middle of a field on the Sabbath. And the disciples get hungry and they start eating some of the food. And the Pharisees say, what you're doing is unlawful. Jesus Christ and his disciples are out in a field on the Sabbath. Not in the city, not in the temple. 
What were the Pharisees who were so religious doing out in a field on the Sabbath? They were following Jesus, looking for something they could use against him. They had their own private investigation going on. We've got to find something on this guy. They hated Jesus. And he asked the question, can you, any of you, make any accusations against me? And that room was probably as quiet as this room is right now. They couldn't. Scriptures say, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he knew no sin. Hebrews 4, 15, he's been tempted in all ways just as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 7, 26 describes him as holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners. 1 Peter 2, 22 affirms that he committed no sin. They couldn't find him guilty of anything. Now, it's remarkable, we are told that 62% of American Christians, people who are in America who identify themselves as Christians, 62% do not believe that Jesus was sinless. Even though Bible, the Bible says clearly that he was. So they don't know their Bible. Or they don't believe it. Furthermore, it doesn't even make any sense. Because if you think about it, if Jesus was not sinless, then he was a sinner. And if he was a sinner, then he needed a Savior. And if he needed a Savior, he could not be the Savior. Now, you follow that through, people should figure out that they've claimed to put their faith in a Savior who needs a Savior. doesn't even make any sense. The Bible says he committed no sin. He gave the invitation to his enemies. What have I done wrong? They couldn't answer. And then he follows this up with a second question. He says, if I speak the truth, and if I didn't, Somebody here would have pointed it out. If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? Why do you not believe me? And they could offer no response again. Because his logic was irrefutable. They couldn't hear him because they were not of God. Like someone who's stone deaf can't really appreciate the thrill of music. Like someone who is colorblind cannot really appreciate a picture. Like someone who has no sense of time and rhythm cannot fully appreciate dance. Only a person who knows God can hear what God says. Now the Jewish people had a wonderful way of thinking about the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of God provided two functions. First off, that he... That the Spirit of God revealed God's truth. And then secondly, that he enabled mankind to recognize and grasp that truth. And what Jesus was saying is, you're not in tune with the Spirit of God. You cannot hear the things of God. And so he demolished any false sense of security that they had in being Abraham's descendants. And made it clear that they were really the children of Satan, and they were doomed to Satan's punishment if they didn't repent. And then they, this is how they respond, verse 48. The Jews answered him, are we, are we not right in saying you're a Samaritan and a demon? Now, this is what's taking place. They could not logically counter what Jesus had said, and so they resorted to an ad hominem attack. 
They began calling Jesus names. Ad hominem is an argument or reaction arising from or appealing to the emotions and not logic or reason. Now, whenever an antagonist resorts to calling names and vicious smears, it's because they're not able to win a logical argument or debate. Many Americans have forgotten this fundamental axiom of debate, and they allow themselves to get caught up in emotional froth. If you're watching a debate on television and someone resorts to name-calling, innuendo, smears, and, and, and emotional triggers, it's because they've lost the argument. And the Jewish leaders that day had lost the argument with Jesus, and so they resorted to calling him names. They called him a Samaritan. Do you find yourself arguing with someone in that way occasionally? There's a lot to learn on these broadcasts in so many different areas, and we're going to continue tomorrow in the book of John at this same time. I hope you can join us. I'm Mike Trout. You're listening to the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. This is a series in the book of John that Pastor Leighton took his congregation through, and we're going to enter chapter 8 tomorrow. If you've missed any of the past broadcasts, they're on our website at studyversebyverse.com and details about Church of the Highlands can be found at highlands.us. Join us if you can tomorrow at this same time when Pastor Layton will open the Word of God and help us study verse by verse.